We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the NFL Week 3 edition of the Rotowire Sports Betting Pod. Of course, a subsidiary of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we hope you'll follow us along throughout the NFL season as we take you through each slate every single week. I am Nick Whalen, joined as always by my trusty confidant, John McKechnie. John, uh, it was fantastic hang with you down in Myrtle Beach last week. Uh, as promised, we did get to watch the Thursday night game together. However, the, the TV at our Airbnb... Did not work. I don't know what year it was from. It, it looked much newer than it was. It did not have the inputs we needed. So uh, it was great to like huddle around an iPad and struggle to stream that Vikings Eagles game with you. Yes, like likewise. That that was a joy. You know, kind of a, a gritty football watching experience. And what was otherwise like the least gritty weekend of all time, just be, being on the beach in Myrtle in this great spot. But but yeah, that that TV um, not really set up for for modern. Uh, uh, streaming or, or viewing but uh it definitely had the uh red yellow uh white cords you know so if you needed to, to hook up your playstation 2 uh we, we were in good shape in that sense yeah that was no problem whatsoever but uh some great golf was played uh you know maybe i'll maybe i'll do like a rosillo style like travel log uh episode someday uh just detailing the the, the events of myrtle beach but a heck of a time uh c- celebrating my my pending nuptials but that's in the past, John. We got to move on. You know, one thing we know about NFL handicapping, you got to have a short memory. Uh, we went one, two, and two in the circuit contest last week. Didn't feel good about it. Two brutal pushes. Uh, we had the Packers at plus one. They, of course, blow a 12 point fourth quarter lead, end up pushing that one. The Saints give up a late touchdown to Carolina. An they octopus. Give up An they octopus up to Adam Thielen. A just back breaking two point conversion. I got yelled at by my fiance for punching the couch uh, after that two-point conversion. Like Bryce Young's rolling out. I'm thinking he's got nothing. He's got nothing. They're closing in, throws it across his body. I think it was Thielen uh, who had the grab. So two pushes there on what what really felt like games we were going to take home. Uh, John, we, we missed on the Bengals. You know, we we, we were on Cincinnati uh, to win that game. I think we had him at three and a half. Uh, it, you were all over Cincinnati. Not, not to toss the blame on you here, but, you know, your Ravens are involved. So... Uh, what happened here? I mean, uh, obviously, there, there's a whole new narrative with Cincinnati with, with Joe Burrow and whether or not he's going to play. We'll get into that uh, as they face the Rams on Monday night. But uh, this Bengals team's in trouble all of a sudden. Yes, they are. Uh, the, the Ravens had a really good defensive game plan uh, where they they were just kind of dogged about pressing. 
uh, the receivers off the line and not letting Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins get those free releases. And that just kind of threw them off their game. And then, you know, for, for Baltimore's part on the offensive side, absolutely textbook opening drive. The, the script from Munkin was about as good as, you, as you're going to do, a great mix of running and passing. And then, you know, for the Ravens having uh, or being down Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum, lowest pressure rate uh, in Lamar Jackson's career. Um, that, so that line held wow. really nicely. And they also ran for almost 180 yards combined on the Bengals with, with that kind of ragtag bunch up front. So, I mean, that that's that points a lot of issues at, at Cincinnati beyond just Joe Burrow be, being dinged up. I, I think that, that that defensive front seems to be able to, to be moved around. And, um, you know, I, I'm not throwing any shade at, at Chase and Higgins, of course, but, um, you know, that <laughs> but. there's – but, you know, like it, it just goes to show that a, a well-executed game plan that's, that's well thought out can, can occasionally, you know, keep a lid on star talent such mm-hmm. as that. And and that's what we saw last Sunday. So, you know, like you're alluding to there uh, with the Bengals, they got those issues. And now Burrow, the, yep. the calf seems to be an issue that is carrying on into the season. We don't know if he's going to be out there on Monday night and you know we might see some Jake Browning action. I haven't been interested oh. in seeing Jake Browning since 2016 when he yep. was at Washington. So uh, this, we could be treated to kind of a, uh, I love the concept of a du- Monday night doubleheader, but if one of those games is, is bad, you know that, but at least mm-hmm. that would be an improvement over last week yeah. in which both games were bad. They sure were. They were sloppy. They were bad all around. But we'll get to uh, all the teams that were involved in in that you know, just collective car crash that was Monday Night Football. <laughs> uh, Bengals holding us three point favorites, and we'll get to that game in a little more depth later on. Uh, but interesting with Joe Burrow uh, not participating in practice at all this week. Did not practice on Thursday as we record. <clears throat> excuse me on Friday morning. Um, you know, I, I like the Monday night doubleheaders, by the way. I just wish it was a true doubleheader. Like, I, I like staying up late. I like having football that goes at 12 to like 1230 in the morning. Like, I, I'm conditioned for this for NBA basketball, right? You, you have those, like, for it. you got those like Clippers Rockets games that start at 930 my time and, and go until 1215, 1230 in the morning. Like, I, I don't mind the overlap, but I would rather that we, we actually stack these games up together, right? Like, have them actually go back to back instead of all this overlap. Right, and and the the amount of overlap, like you only really get like one quarter of of a solo game, and then you're you're kind of having to to really pay attention. It's like I'm spent from from being the remotesman on Sunday. Like I, I Monday night, it's I should be on easy mode. Like let let me yeah. just kind of vegetate. You know, Sunday yeah. I'm very active. Commercial break. If I smell a commercial break, we're we're off to the next thing. But. Yeah, Monday night with with that setup, it, it's tough. You you really do have to be locked in and, and bouncing around uh, between yep. the two games, and and at least we we got week two out of the way. So I think this week we'll be able to to kind of manage the game flow on our on our end a little bit better. Okay, let's get to the slate here. We'll work through every game on the Sunday slate. Uh, if you want a recap of Giants 49ers, uh, first of all, there wasn't a whole lot to see there. I think that one played out about as we expected. You can uh, find that on the various uh, Rotowire podcasts, YouTube channels. Jim Coventry will be all over that today, I'm sure, somewhere. Uh, but we will work our way through the slate. And, John, you have three games highlighted as your best of the weekend. Uh, tell me which one you're most looking forward to. We'll start there. So not completely unlike college football week three, where there, there was not a whole lot uh, to, to love to, to the casual. Um, this, this week three in the NFL is, is uh, 
it's a little bit bereft of the marquee matchup, but that's okay. There, there's still a handful of games here that that I really find interesting, both uh, for you know narrative purposes for for how the the seasons are going to unfold for these respective teams and uh, for for betting purposes. And I I would start with with Green Bay versus New Orleans. I also think Detroit. Atlanta is going to be a really, really interesting one. And, and Minnesota versus the Chargers, you know, two teams really looking to, to get off the schneid, avoid that dreaded 0-3 start. But um, if you want to get things rolling here, uh, let's let's take a look at what's happening uh, in Green Bay on, on Sunday with, with the Saints coming in 2-0. But, you know, not, not the most impressive 2-0 that, that we've ever seen. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, one and a half point favorites at, at home in, in this one. Yeah, you'll see that number at one in some places. I believe it locked at two in the circuit contest. So we'll have to discuss that uh, before we uh, officially submit our entries this weekend. Uh, this one is tough because we, for Green Bay, yet again, we, we have several key offensive players uh, who we're, we're not sure if they're going to be on the field. Aaron Jones seems to be moving in the right direction. Same with Christian Watson. Uh, you know, they're, they're saying no setback for Christian Watson, although he did not practice on Thursday. Sounds like they're just taking it easy with him. Uh, to me, that seems like a 60-40 situation, maybe in favor of him making his debut. Aaron Jones, probably closer to 50-50. Uh, David Bakhtiari uh, is also in that. It feels like he's just going to be a 50-50 call week to week going forward. And then we know for sure that Elton Jenkins will not be out there for Green Bay. So we, we saw, you know, basically by the end of the, the second quarter, Last week against Atlanta, Green Bay was down. You could say it's four best offensive players. So that one, it throws this one into a bit of a tizzy for me. I mean, we've seen the New Orleans offense basically play the same game twice in a row, right down to the long pass to Rashid Shahid uh, to, to kind of seal the game late. Uh, total in this one sitting at 42 and a half. I think that seems about right. I, I do worry about the Packers offensive line. Uh, I do worry about the Packers running game, especially if Aaron Jones is unable to go. Uh, AJ Dillon's not giving them anything. He was a disaster. He was also responsible for injuring Elton Jenkins. I don't know if you've seen oh. the play, but Dillon just ran right into him, ran right into him, basically need him in the back of Jenkins' knee, uh, resulted in an mm. MCL injury. So uh, we're, we're very low right now uh, on AJ Dillon. I, this is a game where certainly we'll be staying away from it in Circa. Uh, I would recommend doing the same if you're trying to put together, you know, some sort of uh, you know parlays, anything like that. I, I kind of just default to the home team here. I, I really like what I've seen from Jordan Love so far. They're asking him to make a lot of difficult throws. There have not been a, a lot of wide-open men for Jordan Love. But, uh, you know, depending on what metric you look at, some will tell you that he's, like, the 25th best quarterback in the league. Some will tell you that he's, like, a borderline top 10 quarterback. Two games into his actual starting tenure with the Packers, I, I feel pretty good about, about what he's given them so far. So, based on how much the Saints offense has struggled, and and by the way, you know, they're, they're still down Alvin Kamara. They'll, they'll likely be down Jamal Williams in this game as well. I don't know if he's officially ruled out, but he's not going to play. Uh, so they have some key injuries as well. I, you know, that, that number's pretty low on the total. I don't know if I would really touch that, but this is one where I, I probably just default to the home team. I, I'm on the Packers here as well, but but one last thing to consider with, with the run game being what it is for, for New Orleans right now, again, with, with Jamal Williams dealing with that injury, Kamara still sidelined, suspended. Do we think that, that that skews things heavily towards the pass here for, for New Orleans? And, and, you know, with that, are you worried at all about this Packers secondary getting tested, you know, upwards of 35, 40 times? I'm very worried about it. Yeah, uh, because Darnell Savage is a part of that Packers pass defense. And Joe Barry is at the controls of this Packers <laughs> defense. And, you know, we saw him on a, a third and three put Devontae Campbell 15 yards off of Bijan Robinson. And how do you think that ended up going? So, yeah, the, the coordinator thing to me is just baffling. You know, it, to me, that was the most surprising retention of any quarterback or any coordinator, excuse me, maybe other than Matt Canada. 
Um, you know, the Packers, the Packers pass defense just hasn't really been tested quite yet. Um, you know, such a unique matchup last week against Desmond Ritter, obviously, you know, a disaster for Justin Fields in week one. So like mm-hmm. a lot of the numbers will say the Green Bay pass defense looks great. Uh, but to me, I think those are skewed because of what happened in week one. So I, I don't really know what to expect from, from Green Bay on defense. I'm usually not optimistic uh, when we're talking about Joe Barry, but uh, I, I'm with you here. I, I think I, I lean Green Bay ever so slightly. It's it's going to be a low number uh, in the pick pool. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Let's go to Detroit and Atlanta. Very interesting matchup here. We, we have some injuries that we're monitoring on the Detroit side. Uh, they will, of course, be without C.J. Gardner-Johnson on defense. That's a pretty big deal for a defense that has struggled, certainly struggled last year. That was one of their big uh, free agent additions. Amon Ross St. Brown is banged up. Josh Reynolds is banged up. David Montgomery will likely not play in this game. Their left tackle, Taylor Decker, also banged up. You know, Vitae suffered that scary injury last week. I don't know if he's going to play. I, I, I like Atlanta to do what it's done these first two weeks, and this will be you know probably their most difficult matchup going on the road at Detroit. Lions are three-point favorites, totals 46.5, but in each of their first two games, we've seen the Atlanta Falcons just dominate time of possession. I, I like the Falcons here a lot. And, and uh, you know, a side side comment on, on C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I, I would like to see him uh, sort of with like the Hugh Freeze model of, of just like being on the sidelines or in the in the press box in the bed. But he's got the, the ski mask on because it, he, yes. was, he was driving that ship uh, la- last week. But Atlanta looks there. They look like they're no fun to play. I mean, it, it, they're, they're you know Arthur Smith cut from the uh, the Mike Vrabel cloth, and you know it. it despite his uh, persistent middle finger to to um, fantasy managers everywhere, uh, the Falcons come ready to play every single Sunday, and I, I think their physicality uh, it, it puts them in a really good position against a, a uh, Detroit defense that I think it is a little bit lacking in, in that front seven. Um, We'll see. We'll see if the passing game can at least pose a credible threat. Um, and again, against a banged up secondary, that should help things a little bit here. So I think the Falcons are, are a lively road dog here. I wouldn't be shocked if they get the win. And I do like them to cover. Yeah, if you could find that number at three and a half, I would absolutely jump on the Atlanta Falcons. I know it was at three and a half at some books earlier this week. I'm seeing it at three across the board. And by the way, we have a great page over at Rotowire. If you just go to our NFL betting section, you can see all of the odds, money line spreads, totals, um, you know, kind of give you examples of if you bet this, here's what you win. And you can compare, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet, all of those sports books on one page. So it's a great way to, to do some easy line shopping every single week. Yeah. At, at three, it's probably a stay away for me. I, I think this could be a three point game, especially if Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he's going to play, but we've also seen him, you know, in this situation before where he suits up, he plays, and then he's kind of in and out of the game. That was the case last week as well. Uh, you, you take him away from this offense, and I, I think all of a sudden uh, you're kind of devoid of major playmakers. The question is, do we see more Jameer Gibbs? Like if they finally unleash Jameer Gibbs in this game, I think it, co- it kind of could come down to like a battle of the rookie running backs. I'm thinking no. I, I think D- Dan Campbell, despite like the, just – that here's your sign to, to let Jameer Gibbs, you know, uh, let it rip and get get him, you know, 20 touches in this game. I feel like we're going to see his role stay relatively the same, maybe a, a couple mm-hmm. more touches here. But I, I think that we're going to see Craig Reynolds basically one to one take over the, the David Montgomery role, probably not do as well in it as Montgomery. And that, you know, that doesn't bode overly well, I suppose. But um, I, I think on the frustrating angle, I, I do think that Jameer Gibbs kind of stays uh, within that that current 
role that he's in. And I, I could see Bijan on the other side of this um, getting unleashed e- even yeah. more. We started to see it more last week after some week one panic. Um, I, I do like Bijan to, yeah. to go off a bit in this one. Love Bijan Robinson over 23 and a half receiving yards in this yeah. game. Uh, his, his rushing prop, John, sits at 67 and a half. Uh, I, I like the receiving prop more. I, I really like both of those. I mean, Detroit... PFF has Detroit as the worst tackling team in the league so far. That is a that is an absolute disaster stat if you're going against B. John Robinson, uh, who might be the, the best tackle breaker or tackle eluder in the NFL right now. Minnesota and the L.A. Chargers, John. That, that's the other game that you have circled as one of your favorites of the week. I'm with you on that. I mean, we have so many big spreads this week. You know, a, a lot of you know good team versus bad team matchups. This is as close as it gets, right? I mean, you're going to see this spread at, at one at some books, one and a half at others. I know one is the number at the DK Sportsbook. I believe it locked at one in Circa as well. Is this a loser leaves town match in week three? You know, it, this feels like whichever team comes out of this 0-3, uh, unless we get a tie, John, uh, that team is going to be panicking. Yes, so it definitely is. The, the stakes are high. These are two playoff teams from a year ago that have gotten off to, to bad starts. Um, you know, in, in the Chargers case, they have played two good teams, you know, or two pretty good teams. The Dolphins definitely good, and, and the Titans tough to beat them uh, in Tennessee. And then on, on the other side, Minnesota, they had the the, the head scratching loss to, to open things up. But I, I thought that they at least comported themselves reasonably well um, against Philadelphia last week. They're they're at home. I you know when we were talking about the Tennessee Chargers game last week, I was like, I just cannot trust Brandon Staley whatsoever, and the numbers do back that up since Staley took over in 2021 uh, the Chargers are seven and 12 against the spread on the road so that that's a pretty you know significant figure in my opinion a uh, pretty good sample there at, at 19 so I, I'm on the Vikings I, I think that you know we, what we were talking about where the the Falcons are physical the Lions are bad at tackling I feel like it, it, there's a similar mismatch potentially at play here where, where the Vikings they have that explosive passing attack they have Justin Jefferson, of course. Jordan Addison continues to get better every single week. And that Chargers secondary is a problem. And not in like the the cool way the kids are saying it right now, like they're a problem. Like, no, like it's an actual problem. Problem, problem. For, for, yes, for the Chargers. So uh, this being on turf in the Dome, Kirk at home, I'm liking the Vikings here. It's also a day game, which is huge for Kirk Cousins. I, I, I like. I remain convinced that the Chargers are the better team here. We should also mention that Austin Eckler has not practiced all week. Uh, we we have the you know he's ready when he's ready, basically quote from from Brandon Staley. We have no idea if he's going to play. I would I would say no at this point, which is a big deal, right? I mean, we, we saw Josh Kelly run wild against Miami in Week One. Uh, that was certainly not the case in, in Week Two. So I, I think we we're, we're kind of back to this Jekyll and Hyde running game for the LA Chargers and. You know, I, I think the good thing is that the run defense has been their biggest weakness for the last, I don't know, 20 years. I'm not too worried about Minnesota running on this team. There's a reason they brought in Cam Akers. Their, their running game has been a disaster. But, yeah, I, I think we get a high-scoring game. Uh, total is, I believe, the highest of the week by a pretty huge margin here. I think it's the highest by like 7.5 points. 54 oh, yeah. is the number at DraftKings. I, I do think we get a shootout. There's no question about that. I don't trust either of these defenses. Khalil Mack has just disappeared. Haven't thought about him all year. Uh, you know, Joey Bosa's still himself, but this Chargers defense, man, like for the amount of playmakers in theory that are on this team, I mean, the secondary has been the primary issue, but really all around that they just kind of look like the same team that had these deficiencies a year ago. So I'm with you. I went with the Vikings and staff picks. I don't think I'm going to touch this one in Circa, but I I do like the home team here. And the Action Network had a really good stat on, on Justin Herbert. You know, he's seven 
22 and two, John, against the second half spread when leading at halftime, which if you've watched any Chargers games in the last five years, you're like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he um, did he like share a water bottle with Philip Rivers at one point that, you know, it passed on. I mean, who, who knows? It's amazing. That's jarring. Yeah. The brand is right. so strong for the Chargers. Let's hit some of these big spread games. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of lump these together. We'll, we'll talk about which ones we feel the best about, you know, potentially rolling some of those out in the circuit contest. We have the Dallas Cowboys, 12 and a half point favorites. They're on the road at Arizona. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs, also 12 and a half point favorites at home against Justin Fields and the Bears. Just a very, very normal week uh, for Chicago. Very normal week at House Hall. Uh, ideally, you know, when, you, when you're facing the Chiefs, you know, you you want one of two things to happen. You either want your defensive coordinator to abruptly resign or you want your quarterback to criticize the coaching staff. You don't often get both. The Bears got both. On the same day. On the same day. And, you know, Charles Tillman also works for the FBI. That was the biggest takeaway for me. <laughs> that was huge. A well-placed peanut punch on, on the laptop. <laughs> uh, but All right, well, but, let's talk about these two first. Because yeah. we also we have Jags 8.5 over Houston, and we have the Baltimore Ravens as 8-point favorites against the Colts. We'll, we'll put those in like the secondary tier of big spreads. But let's focus on the 12-and-a-halfers first year. If we had to include one of these in Circa, do you trust the Cowboys more, or do you trust the Chiefs more, or do you trust one of these dogs to cover a big number? I think it... <sighs> You know, the, the Cardinals seem somehow a, a little bit more put together than the Bears do right now. But the, the Chiefs offense hasn't gotten going yet. So I don't know about uh, trusting them with 12 and a half points just yet. Um, I, th- I think at some point this season, the, the answer would be different. But um, it, it almost feels like like too easy, uh, given how, how much of a train wreck that the Bears are right now. But I, I think the Cowboys are just going to go in there and, and demolish it. They have the best defensive player in the league. By far, in Micah Parsons, they, they did just lose Trevon Diggs to, to that ACL injury in practice. That's unfortunate, um, but I think that you know overall, I think that this this Cowboys offense is lethal and, and just starting to get to get on the on the uh, on the rails there. And the defense is just too scary, even without Diggs. So I, I could see them holding uh, Arizona to thirteen points or fewer, and I don't see Arizona holding. Uh, Dallas yeah. really under even 30 points here. So uh, I like the Cowboys among the, the big yeah. spreads. I, I think it's a, it's a good thing for Dallas that Arizona hung in with the commanders and, you know, should have beat the giants last week. It's like, I, I don't think Arizona's sneaking up on Dallas. You know, they're not sneaking up on another team three weeks in a row, right? Everybody's now aware that the Cardinals are this live dog. They're two and zero against the spread in their first two games. I, I still think they're the least talented team in the league. I still think their coach is a weirdo. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're they're playing well. They're they're playing well so far, and I, I don't think you're catching the Cowboys off guard. Even if you do, like the talent discrepancy here is just so huge, especially on defense, right? You know, you lose Trayvon Diggs, that's a big deal long term for the Cowboys. I don't know that it necessarily hurts you against Josh Jobs and and this Cardinals offense. So, you know, I, I think the Cowboys defensively, you know, this could be a, a complete disaster game for the Cardinals, and it feels like they're due for one of those. I know it's only three weeks into the season, but they played above their level. Obviously, Dallas has looked like the best team in the league so far, so. I'm with you. I mean, it's it's also hard to imagine Kansas City, you know, not just having its way with the Bears. And, you know, really, it's the Chiefs defense that's carried them so far. So I, I'm not worried about that aspect of it. Like, I, I don't think the Bears do anything offensively, but you are right. I mean, the, this Chiefs offense is, it's you know, still kind of grinding in, in first gear. You know, the, the more that Travis Kelsey works his way back into the mix, I think that changes. But I still have a lot of questions about this wide receiver core. And again, they probably aren't going to come up against the Bears team that's without his defensive coordinator and is going to be scrambling on that side of the ball. But 
I, I don't know that the Chiefs are capable of just like breezing their way to 35 points like it feels like they've been able to do the last few years. Right. So, the, I mean, this would be the spot for them to, to get it rolling, but I, I'm dubious on it. I, I, I'm not quite there yet. So I, I'm staying away from this one as far as the, our Circa uh, entry is concerned. And if we were picking between the two uh, big favorites, uh, it, w- it would be the Cowboys for me and, and pretty mm-hmm. strongly. Yeah. Mahomes, by the way, 21 and two straight up as a double digit favorite, but he's just nine, 13 and one against the number. I, 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 the Chiefs are kind of like the 49ers in these games. And I, I know the Niners covered a big number last night, but like, you know, they're going to win. You know, there's there's no real doubt that that they're they're going to pull off the straight up victory like they're not going to get upset. But you can also see them just kind of knowing exactly what they have to do just to win this game and not overextend themselves. And you can see this being like, a I don't know, 23 to 13 type of game if that offense isn't rolling early on. So, yeah, I, I, I try, I'm with you on that one. I, I think Dallas is the team that I trust more if you want to go with one of those big favorites in week three. Uh, let, let's now bunch together the Texans Jags Jaguars eight and a half point favorites at DraftKings numbers down to eight in some spots at locked at nine in circa uh, we have the Baltimore Ravens the two and oh AFC North leading Baltimore Ravens they are eight point favorites at home against the Colts who I, I think at this point John we got to expect that it's Gardner Minshew. Right. So that that obviously is an issue for for Indianapolis. I think Anthony Richardson is, is no picnic to, to be playing against. You got to come correct as far as tackling it is concerned, which, which the Ravens are, are solid with. But um, certainly you feel better about facing Minshew. One thing to, to keep in mind for, for this weekend with, with some of these mid-Atlantic games, so, so both Baltimore and Washington specifically, is that there, there seems to be a storm brewing off the coast. So if, if we get sloppy conditions here, um, we, we could see um, – I, I feel like the under could be in play for, for both the, the Washington and Baltimore games if, if, if we get those sloppy conditions there. Um, it, on Baltimore's end, you know, Justice Hill dinged up. He's got the toe injury. They signed Kenyon Drake. Remember him uh, from last oh, yeah. year? Um, yeah, on, big, on the big Ravens. fan of his. Love oh, yeah. So he is, so he's back in the, in the fold on the practice squad. I think this is going to be a big Gus Edwards game. I, I think that this is going to be a, a low-scoring game. I think the Ravens win this one, but I, I think that the, the conditions here at play um, prevent me from, from jumping in on, on the Ravens covering more than a touchdown. So Lamar is 2-11 against the number as a favorite of three points or more since the start of the 2021 season. That's a, a concerning trend. Uh, conversely, uh, Gardner Minshew is one and nine against the spread in his last 10 starts. So okay. <laughs> I, 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 I do think the conditions favor Baltimore here if it's Minshew, right? Like I, I think in a, in a normal setting, let's say it's 70 degrees and sunny. I, I think I'd rather play Anthony Richardson at this point. Obviously he's the future of the franchise. He's the player with the higher upside. Nobody's questioning that, but I, I think Gardner Minshew maybe gives this team a higher floor in the short term. Certainly does a little bit more in the passing game. I mean, Richardson's yet to complete a, a, a pass of more than 20 yards on the season. It, it, you know, it's, it's a different version of the offense. It, these guys are, you know, could not be further apart as far as their style of quarterback play. But it, if it's windy and it's rainy to me, that favors the Ravens here. That does not favor Gardner Minshew, who is a, a pass first quarterback. I remember Minshew in Baltimore in 2020, uh, sloppy conditions yep. uh, and, and uh, the Jaguars, uh, they, they didn't do so good that day. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Let's move on to the Jaguars who, Face the Houston Texans. The Jaguars offense has been a disaster. Uh, as somebody who's watched every single snap that the Jaguars have played these first two weeks, everything looks difficult. Uh, they're they're overcomplicating, you know, third and two, and you're, you're throwing a quick pass out to the left to 
uh, Zay Jones and asking him to make four defenders miss instead of just running it up the middle with with uh, Tank Bigsby or Travis Etienne. I, I, I'm hoping that the Jags got scared straight last week against Kansas City. Like, I, I think that was a wake-up call, right? Like, they kind of got away with sloppy offense in week one against the Colts. That game probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Some fluky plays uh, let the Colts kind of back into that. They got essentially 14 points from their defense in that game. I, you know, Houston to me scares me because CJ Stroud looks better than I expected. You know, I, I think they've they've been able to kind of hang around after falling behind these last two weeks. I think the defense is mildly improved, although they will not have Derek Stingley for this game. That is massive. They have some injuries on the offensive line as well. I, I do think this is a good spot for Jacksonville because I, I think it could play out a lot like Week One, where the Jags don't even have to play all that well as long as they can put together like one competent quarter and put up like 14 or 17 points in that quarter. I think that might be enough. Uh, but this number has moved toward the Texans over the last couple of days. I think there are some real concerns about the Jags, who are 9 of 27 on third and fourth downs uh, to begin this season. 1 of 5 on fourth down. They've been disastrous in the red zone. Uh, the Jags' defense, though, has actually looked okay. That, that's kind of been the, the saving grace here. They, they were able to slow down Kansas City last week. The run defense looked great against Indy in week one. Maybe that's not saying all that much. Uh, you know, I, you could kind of talk me into this one either way. I, I don't, I wouldn't really feel comfortable playing Houston to cover this, but I, I'm not hundred percent convinced that the Jags get it done. I, that is the way I lean though. Yeah, right. So with, with the Jaguars offense being kind of stuck in the mud so far, um, I, I, it makes you a little bit concerned. I, I would probably vote against using this on, on the, on the entry. My okay. lean would, would be Jacksonville, but yes, to, to your point, Houston is, is um, they're, they're plucky, if nothing else, and, and uh, they're definitely going to test the secondary. I think C.J. Stroud is like third in the NFL in, in pass attempts. Uh, the Texans in general are, are third in the league in plays, so they're, they're going to be, uh, you know, like pushing that tempo all game and going to the air. So it'll be like an uncomfortable day for, for uh, that Jags secondary, but if, if uh, the, the pass rush is able to get home whatsoever, then, you know, I think Stroud is, is not good. Mm-hmm under pressure and that, that could kind of unravel things pretty quickly for Houston. Um, so my, my, my lean is Jacksonville, but I'm not overly strong on it with, with it being as high as it is. Yeah. Keep an eye on Laramie Tunzel as well. Uh, did practice on Wednesday, still dealing with a knee injury. Uh, he, he missed week two against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Texans right now, John have seven offensive linemen on IR. Seven. Seems like too many, too many. Can't yeah. have that many. Yeah, not good. Not good. I also like Travis Etienne over 68 and a half rushing yards. Houston grades out as the worst rush defense in the NFL thus far. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, where do we want to go next year, John? Let's, let's go back to the top of the board. Titans Browns. I, I was surprised this didn't sneak its way into one of the games of the week. I know it's going to be ugly. The total is at 39 and a half. Uh, if it weren't for Patriots Jets, that would be the lowest of the week. Obviously, the Browns are without Nick Chubb. Still holding here as three and a half point favorites at home. Yeah, th- this one is really tough. Um, you know, the, the Titans had a lot of confidence in them last week. I'm surprised that the public is that in on the Tennessee Titans. I, I mean, I, I guess everyone was force-fed the, the Browns game on, on Monday night and, you know, saw what they saw, and it was ugly, hideous, however you want to put it. It was not good from Cleveland, and the, the offense – uh, you know, it does not seem fixed. Obviously, Nick Chubb being out is, is a huge blow to, to their ability to run the ball. Deshaun Watson looked a lot like what he did last season when he took over um, for, for Cleveland. But three and a half, uh, it's it's 
I don't talk me talk me into one side of this one. I, I really can't quite get a handle of this one. It's got to be the Titans for me, especially at three and a half. If the number's at three, I'm probably backing away. I, I, I think this could be a three point game, right? I think Tennessee, we know the recipe for the Titans. They, they want to win every game 19 to 17. And if they don't win 19 to 17, they're going to lose 19 to 17. Like, I, I don't see. I don't see the Browns running away with this, especially without Nick Chubb. I know you know running backs don't matter or whatever. Nick Chubb matters for, for the Cleveland yes. Browns. He is on the list of running backs who absolutely matter in this league. And you know I know Jerome Ford looked okay after coming in for Chubb, but it was still night and day. Like before Chubb got injured uh, on Monday night against Pittsburgh, I mean it was it was like a guaranteed five six yards every single carry for Nick Chubb. And you just hate to see how that ended. You wonder how that affects Cleveland psychologically. All of a sudden Kareem Hunt is back in the mix. Uh, but but you mentioned it with Deshaun Watson. Like that to me. The whole reason that people were kind of in on Cleveland was, all right, well, you know, Deshaun Watson, weird situation last year. You know, he sat out basically the whole year, came back in. Uh, you know, it's a bad weather game. He had a bad weather game in week one. Like, how many games until we just decide, okay, Deshaun Watson, like the version of him from four years ago is not coming back. Because that, that guy, like, you see flashes of it every now and then. But the Browns did not bring in Deshaun Watson to just give them the 15th best quarterback play in the NFL. You, you brought him in to be a top seven quarterback in the league, and he looks nothing close to that. No. And, and uh, like you said, you know, how much leash can, can we really give him? Because, you know, last year, I think you, you can you can be justified in, in flushing how he played, you know, after such a long layoff and everything. But, you know, through two games, obviously had, had the good rushing performance in week one, but it it looks real clunky. It looks like a Herculean effort to complete a, a single pass uh, for, for Deshaun Watson. So it, it's been tough. I guess with, with with this one, getting that extra half point, I, I would all side with with Tennessee as well. It's just again, it's interesting to me that that um, so much of the public money is coming in on Tennessee to mm-hmm. to that degree, where it's seventy four percent right now over at Vison. Yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be a three point game, one way or the other. I'll I'll, I'll take the side where we're getting the three and a half. Uh, let's talk about that other game with an extremely low total, thirty six and a half. John, Patriots. Jets, Pats, two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, this, you know, it, it historically would be a perfect Bill Belichick setup, right? Like Bill Belichick feasts on quarterbacks like Zach Wilson. He's feasted on Zach Wilson specifically over the last couple of years. But man, uh, the Pats are down bad. Uh, even even with a, a better, healthy quarterback in Mac Jones, I, I feel like these teams are really comparable, right? And you know, the Patriots have fallen into this lull in the post Tom Brady years. Like I, I feel I feel the same when I watch the Steelers offense as when I watch the Patriots offense, like they're moving at 75% speed compared to the rest of the league. I think the Patriots longest play from scrimmage on Sunday night against the Dolphins was a Mac Jones scramble. Um, that so that, right. that, that gives you an idea of how explosive this offense is, which is uh, uh, like not even an M80. We're, we're talking sparklers at, at best. No, no, no uh, flimmies or jimmies or, or what have you to, to be found in, in this uh in this Patriots offense, as far as explosives go. So we're getting the implied defensive struggle here. I think that the Jets defense, as long as the, there's some ability to extend a drive here and there, so they're not just constantly on the field, the Jets defense, um, I think that they're going to be able to keep a, a pretty significant lid on this Patriots offense here. And really, I think this one is going to come down to who wins the turnover battle. And that's probably the Patriots. Um, given that given who's on uh, or who's in at quarterback for the Jets. So um, initially my, my lean was to go Jets in the points, but the, the more I think about it, 
The more I kind of see Zach Wilson screwing this up for for the Jets just enough for Mm -hmm. for New England to to get its first win of the year and cover this one. The path for the Jets is getting that running game going. And, you know, obviously they did so in week one against the Bills, but it was it was very much big play dependent. Right. It's not like they ran the ball all that well. It was just Brees Hall ripped off a couple of long ones and, you know, Garrett Wilson stole an interception away for a touchdown. Like you, you can't be living on the margins like that every single week. And I, I think saying you need to get the running game going is way different than doing it against what's ultimately still a very good Patriots defense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't like this one either way. Like, would I be shocked if the Jets win this game 13 to 10 because they have a pick six? No, not at all. Uh, but I, I just I just can't bet on Zach Wilson. Like that's that's just kind of a hard and fast rule for me, especially against Bill Belichick. So I, I'm with you here. If you got to pick one either way, I would take the Patriots. I'd just take them on the money line at minus 142. You're not losing a whole lot of value there. I mean, this could be a one or a two point game pretty easily. Uh, where do you come in on the total? 36 and a half. Is that too low for you? It's not. Somehow it's not. I, I, I think that, we, yeah, both of these teams are, are scoring in the in the teens here and, and uh, we're going to we're going to cruise to a nice under maybe with like 30 combined points between the two. It's going to be mm, gross. Give me a give me Patriots 17 Jets 13. Broncos Dolphins. Fun game in the early window. Denver 0-2 up against it. We're starting to hear the, you know, how hot is Russell Wilson's seat rumors. You know I'm not a Russell Wilson guy. One of my least favorite players in the league. Always has been. Weird dude. Not a fan. I really don't think he's been their primary issue. I, they, they, last year or last week against the Commanders, you watch that first half, especially Russell Wilson had a couple vintage Russell Wilson throws. You know, they're, they're finally generating big plays. That was their big issue last year. They just could not get anything down the field. And, you know, Wilson collapsed a little bit in the second half. He's certainly no longer the closer that he once was. But what has happened to this Broncos defense? To me, that's been the far bigger issue. I uh, get they they lose the defensive coordinator for, from last year. His name's escaping me, but he he I mean he had those guys playing uh, at a phenomenal level. It doesn't feel like the the talent you know level on the, on that side of the ball has dropped off much at, at all. So um, it it is one of those confusing early season trends. Maybe it gets on the right track, but going to Miami, where uh, traditionally. This time of the year, the road team is just baking in the sun. It ba- basically like the equivalent of like being a bunch of ants under a, under a microscope on the sidewalk. Like the, it is going to be preposterously hot uh, uh, for for the Broncos on, on that sideline. Uh, so that that you know that that could be tough for them. They are altitude tested, but are they sea level tested? Who's who's to say? But um, coming in at, at six and a half earlier in the week, I, I was pretty strongly like uh, maybe the Dolphins screw around here and and don't get it done. Uh, maybe the Broncos show some sort of sign of life going on the road here. Uh, as the week has gone on, the, the more I can see that the Dolphins is continuing to kind of establish themselves as, as one of those scarier teams to play in the AFC. So as much as I wanted to, to go Broncos in the points uh, coming into this, that the more I think on it, uh, the more I think that, that the Dolphins, despite being extremely public, is the right side. Yeah, this this feels to me like a game where midway through the second quarter, we could look at each other and be like, man, the, the Dolphins are just wildly out-scheming this Broncos defense, right? I, I think there, there, there is a coaching mismatch here, and I, I didn't think we would say that coming into the year, but I, I do think, you know, we, we kind of look at Sean Payton for what he's done in the past, and, you know, it's certainly deserving, probably a future Hall of Fame head coach, but... Uh, you know, it's it's a new school versus old school type of matchup. And I, I trust Mike McDaniel more than I do Sean Payton, especially given what we've seen from this Denver defense. Like if you're allowing Sam Howell and the commanders to get back into that game and rip off big plays like that Broncos defense did at home 
last week. I mean, what are you going to do with the guy who's now the odds-on favorite to win the MVP? I, I, I do think this Dolphins offense will be in a good spot. The, you know, the question is, can Denver generate some of those same big plays you know, that built that lead against the Commanders last week? Six and a half uh, is the number for Miami total sitting up at 48. Uh, the question for me, too, is does Jalen Waddle potentially not playing in this game? He's not practiced all week. He's still in concussion protocol uh, as far as we're aware on Friday morning. If he doesn't play, does that really matter to you? Um, it, I mean, it, it's it's an important thing, but it, it doesn't really push me um, towards the Broncos on, on the spread. The, the, the Broncos still have to deal with Tyreek Hill, and it seems like Tua and like the, this ragtag bunch of slot receiver types, your, your Braxton Berrios or your, your River Craycrafts of the world, somehow they're getting production out of those guys even. So uh, even if Waddle's not out there, um, I, I think there's an, enough w- within this offense and the, the level at which Tua is playing right now and Tyreek Hill um, alongside him. Uh, that That's going to be a lot for, for Denver to contend with mm-hmm. on its own. If Waddle's in, great. That I feel even better about Miami, but uh, I still um, am feeling the fins here. Fins up. 87 and a half is the receiving yards prop for Tyreek Hill, by the way. So I think if Waddle doesn't play, we, we might be hammering that. Another game with a six and a half point spread, the Buffalo Bills. Six and a half point favorites on the road at the Commanders. Number is 43 and a half on the total at DraftKings. This is a tricky one for me. Go on. I would like to feel like I could trust the Buffalo Bills, who have been one of the best teams in the NFL for the last five years. They, they have the cachet here. Washington has anything but the cachet. We've seen two versions of the Bills. We've seen Josh Allen turn the ball over four times in week one. We saw a much more conservative, run-heavy approach last week against Las Vegas. I think that fit the script. We, we know Vegas can't really do a whole lot on defense. You have a much better defensive line uh, in the commanders. I don't think Buffalo will be able to pound the ball with James Cook quite as much as they did in week two. I, you know, I, I'm kind of leaning commanders to cover at home. Oh, I, I'm definitely leaning commanders at, at home. I, I mean, I, I know I continue to kind of be a, Bill, a Bills hater. They To, to crush the, the Raiders at home – that's just w- what you should do if, you, if you're the Bills. It doesn't really prove to me that, that anything is fixed in any sort of uh, significant, meaningful way. They got to go on the road here. And Washington looks credible. You know, they, the, the defense is solid uh, for, for the most part at, at most levels. Um, we'll see if they're pass rushed. I mean, the personnel is, is really strong. So we'll see if they can get, actually uh, get it going here. And I, I think Sam Howell is, is a gamer. If nothing else, he kind of reminds me of, of Baker Mayfield a little bit. Yes. Um, so, but less like loud and annoying and, and whatnot. Um, but you, you've got Jahan Dotson and, and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin uh, crushes zone coverage, and I think that the Bills play a lot of zone. Uh, we'll see if the if the passing game kind of goes out the window as a result of, of the weather. But it, Brian Robinson kind of had to eat my words on, on him last week. He looked very good. I thought, and he seems to be taking over that that backfield. And if it if the weather does play a factor to the extent that I think it might, um, I think that that does not favor the Bills. I don't think that their run defense is, is all that strong, and I don't think they themselves are are able to generate uh, much of a, a rushing attack with, with James Cook. So, are they going to ask Josh Allen to, to run it twenty times? I doubt it. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of empty drives from Buffalo here, and I, I think that. Mm-hmm. Not only does Washington cover this one, but I, I give them an, a real chance to win this game, actually. Good stat from the Action Network earlier this week. Uh, Ron Rivera coming off of a win as an underdog. That was the case last week uh, against the Denver Broncos. Rivera is 25-9-1 and ATS 
in Ooh. the following game after winning as an underdog. So, you know, I, I think common knowledge would, would, would kind of push you toward, oh, maybe there's a, a bit of a letdown after a win like that, but that has not been the case for Ron Rivera. He's 12-3-1 ATS in that spot uh, over the last four-plus seasons. So I, I think we lean commanders on this one. We'll have to decide if that'll be a part of the Circamillion entry. Panthers-Seahawks, John, this is one of only three games in the late window. We're back to that that frustrating scheduling. We, we had really nice, you know, everything was parceled out pretty evenly, weeks one and week two. Not the case here. We only have three games in the late window. Uh, the other two are the 12 and a half point spread. So I think we'll be uh-huh. pretty locked in. We'll be pretty locked in on Panthers-Seahawks, and we are expecting Andy Dalton to be under center for Carolina. Yes, so we get uh, yeah the, the most competitive game in the afternoon window being a, a 6.1. Um, for uh, in favor of Seattle. Seattle did what it had to do uh, last week, of course, seemed, seemed to shake off the, the week one uh, surprising loss to, to the Rams, go into Detroit, play a good game, get themselves back back to even. Carolina, like if Bryce Young w- was playing, I would feel better about siding with, with Seattle, as crazy as that might sound. Oh, I feel the same and, way. Andy Dalton strikes me as like when you're walking on the beach and you see the dead jellyfish and it's like, no, don't touch that. Like it, it can still sting you. That's kind of what Andy Dalton is uh, at this point or, or how I feel about him coming into this weekend. Yes, a, a dead jellyfish carcass uh, that can still sting. Yep. Uh, so good, good imagery. Thank you. Thank you. It, it just <laughs> jellyfish with like a shock of red hair. Um, oh, boy, this this is this is brutal. I, I want to say Seattle so badly, but I, I'm staying away from this one. They're, 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 this one just gives the aura of some weird, weird stuff happening. So I'm, I'm staying away here. But if I had to pick a side, it would be Seattle. Yeah, to me, it comes down to, you know, can Carolina continue to pressure the passer? You know, that, that's been something that's been their strength, really. And that's really, I, I think, what kept them in that game against New Orleans on Monday night. I mean, they're top 10 in the league in, in terms of how that pass rush grades out. Now, you did lose Shaq Thompson. Last week, he's done for the year. You know, both Brian Burns and Justin Houston have been limited throughout this week. You know, Miles Sanders is banged up as well, obviously, without uh, Bryce Young. So that there are some key pieces that we're worried about here for Carolina. I, I do lean Seattle at home. I mean, long trip, short week for Carolina. I think there are some advantages here for the Seahawks. I'd, I'd feel a heck of a lot better about it if, if the number was, you know, four and a half, even five and a half. Uh, but I, I think you're right. There, there's going to be. There's going to be at least you know one quarter here where we, we, we look at each other and say, is Andy Dalton about to do this? <laughs> there is. A, I look forward to that. But, um, yeah, it's going to make me feel uh, queasy with with, uh, with my Seattle bet uh, on this one. But, yeah, I just I think I think that the the additional context there of, the, of this being the short week, week long trip um, that, that push it, that kind of seals it that um, I, I'm on Seattle for better, for worse. Geno Smith, seven and eleven against the number as a favorite, uh, as a starter in his career. Something to consider there. We have the three primetime games remaining. We begin uh, with the lone Sunday night game. We get the Steelers again in primetime, John. They are two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders. 43 is the total in that game. We've seen a, a complete reversal on this line. You know, The look-ahead going into week two uh, was Steelers minus one-and-a-half. It, it moved all the way to Raiders minus three, now sitting at Vegas. Uh, giving two and a half to Pittsburgh. So d- does that sound to you like th- this is just Vegas views them a- as even and then gives the you know de facto uh, slight home field advantage to the Raiders? Or, or is this something where last week was concerning enough in the, the first two weeks, really, as far as the offense is concerned for Pittsburgh uh, to where it's like, yeah, I mean, the Raiders aren't a good team, but they, 
at home, they should be better than what Pittsburgh has. I mean, you, you got to be fearful that, that Pittsburgh, that front seven, TJ Watt is just unbelievable. And, and um, you, Alex Highsmith continues to be someone that, that um, is a really impressive presence on the other side opposite him. So that the, the offensive line is going to be huge um, for, for Vegas here. If they, if they want to cover this spread and, and win uh, the game, but I do feel like the Steelers offense is so stuck in the mud to the point where they're not going to be uh, lighting up the scoreboard, even against a bad Raiders defense. So that the number here is 43. I, I think I probably like the under here more, more than either side um, of, of the spread. If I had to take a, a spread side though, I, I probably am going Pittsburgh in the points, but uh, yeah. maybe my, my, my faith in, in Tomlin is a little bit misguided, but at, at this stage, at this stage, but uh, under Kenny Pickett, it's not, it's not Tomlin's fault. It's Pickett's, but um, yeah, g- give me the Steelers here. I don't feel awesome about it, but I, I think that the, the defense and, and the special teams will, will, will cook something up enough to, to get uh, Vegas off its game. You're not wrong to trust Mike Tomlin. 54, 31, and 4 ATS uh, as an underdog. We, we feel like we go through that stat every single week, and you know I think there's going to be plenty more games this year where they are in this situation. I, I tend to side with you as far as like whichever team is getting two and a half here, I think I would probably just take, and now, now that's Pittsburgh, so that's the way I lean. Um, you know, I, I, I don't trust the Raiders' defense. I think they might be the worst unit in this game. You know, the Pittsburgh offense has given them a run for their money, no question about that, but we have we have like – Weakness on weakness, right? Like terrible Pittsburgh offense against terrible Las Vegas defense. You know, I'm looking at PFF grades right now. <laughs> the Steelers' pass blocking grade is 25.1. Oh, the, the league average right now, John, is 65.4. Like they are a distant, distant, distant 32nd. I mean, they're they're like 10 points worse than the 31st ranked pass blocking uh, scheme, which is the the New York Giants, and they've been terrible in their own right. Like the Jets have been terrible, and they're way ahead of Pittsburgh. So. Serious, serious questions about that Pittsburgh offensive line. The run blocking has been terrible as well, but you know the Raiders' run defense has been a huge issue for them over the last several years. I, I don't think they've made the necessary changes. Probably a stay away for me ultimately with Pittsburgh. You know, going across the country out west here. This game is in Las Vegas, but uh, again, if you're giving me two and a half with the Steelers, that's the way I would lean. This, like that Titans Browns game, this to me feels like a, just a classic, like sixteen to fourteen. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. So get give me the Steelers. It's going to be. Mm. Not going to be the the best uh, yeah. of the Sunday night uh, menu this year. Yeah, I'd, okay. I'd find something else to watch. Got, I think WNBA playoffs are going on uh, Sunday. Maybe maybe give that a look instead. Let's go to Monday night. Back to back weeks with Monday night double headers. We start with Eagles Buccaneers as the early game. Rams Bengals is I guess you could call it the nightcap. But like we said at the top, a lot of overlap between these two games. A lot of confusion trying to get everything streamed at the same time. This Eagles Bucks game uh, a little more complicated than I thought it would be three weeks ago when we started to look ahead at the schedule Eagles hanging on as five point favorites on the road. You'll see that number a little bit lower at, at some books, you know, they're four and a half at points bet, but mostly five across the board. How concerned with you are the Eagles? Because I think that's, that's kind of been the storyline that's been brewing through these first two weeks is yeah, they're two and oh, but it, it just, it hasn't quite looked the same. Right. So that they have some uh, issues in, in the secondary. Now is Baker Mayfield, the, the guy to exploit them. I'm not totally sure, but um, speaking of, of Good stats. Uh, John Ewing, who does a lot of data stuff over at, at BetMGM, had, had this good stat. Uh, since 2003, when two undefeated teams play each other, the home team is 67-47-3. and three. That's a, it's a 60% clip against the spread. And the home underdog 
in, in that uh, setup, uh, 67% against the spread. So I, I thought I liked Tampa going into this one just because Philadelphia hasn't looked quite as dominant thus far, but and Tampa Bay has looked a lot livelier um, than, than expected coming into the season. I'm, I'm in on the Bucs plus five. I, I do like the Bucs in this spot. I think that they're going to be able to, to stay competitive in this one. And I, I think the Eagles, that they, I think eventually they're going to start soaring, but, but not here. What worries me is that it's going to be all on the shoulders of Baker Mayfield because the Eagles run defense, that, that's been the one thing that's carried over for them, right? I mean, they're, they're still arguably the best run defense in the NFL. Tampa Bay is still arguably the worst run offense in the NFL. Yeah, so so they don't even care. They don't even care. I get, yeah, we just call that a wash, I guess. We'll just, we'll just toss that one to Philly and say, all right, yeah, yeah you, you guys are going to stop us, but we're not going to run. Like, that's, that's just a lot of responsibility to put on Baker Mayfield. And it, it almost makes me feel worse that he's played so well through two weeks. Like, I, I just feel like that implosion is coming. That, I mean, that's definitely fair. We, we've seen it time and time again from him, especially when he's getting too big for his britches. I, I think uh, being 2-0 yeah. when, when everyone was doubting him, uh, that, that certainly qualifies. <laughs> but I know. Um, I'm, it, as, as uneasy as it makes me feel, I'm, I'm going to side with old Baker here. Um, you know, a, couple of, a couple of Oklahoma Sooner greats going at it between him and Jalen Hurts. That brings us to our final game. On the week three slate, Rams, three-point dogs on the road at Cincinnati. I, I think we could see some pretty serious line movement, you know, over the next 48 hours leading up to kickoff. Well, really over the next, I don't even, I, I can't do math at all. Was it 72 hours? I, I don't know. Uh, the game's on Monday night. That's all That's all we know. Uh, <laughs> but still, Rams, three-point dogs. It, it feels to me like we're trending toward Joe Burrow not playing. Even if he does play, I, I think the expectation has to be that he's, one, either pretty limited or two, going to be at a high risk of at some point tweaking that calf injury again. I, I think so as well. I think it would, you know, it it would not be good for, for the public to watch a Jake Browning start, but I, I think it would also be bad to to trot Joe Burrow out there in this spot. You, you've got the rest of the season ahead of you. Um, I, I think, interestingly, our, our, our buddy over at Fox Sports, Kev Masurgeon, had a tweet where he found Jamar Chase talking about the Burrow injury um, it, during training camp. And he's like, if he's good by week five, you know, that that's when we're going to be starting things out and, and we're going to be feeling good then. So that he almost like wit, like forecasted that, that Burrow would yeah. be uh, no bueno for, for the first couple of weeks of the season. And, you know, on, on the Rams side of things, they look a lot. They're like the Bucks. Like they look so much better than anyone uh, could have thought coming into the season. Um, Puka Nakua, obviously like one of the big just fantasy and, and general storylines this year. Matthew Stafford looking uh, close to vintage here. And they got rid of Cam Akers, which I, I'm sure mm-hmm. it seems like him in that locker room was um, was not not mixing super well. So he's out the, out of the picture. I like the Rams here. I, I know that, you know, with, with the idea of, of everything that's going on with Burrow, um, it makes it kind of easy to, to pick the, the Rams in the points. But at the same time, I have some respect for the Rams now, and, and McVay is, is a very good coach. I think he's a better coach than, than uh, Zach Taylor on the other side of this one. And I, I'm just going to go with, with the Rams. Rams up. Rams house. Whatever whatever it is that their hashtag is. I like this one for Circa because I don't think Burrow's playing. And again, like I said, if Burrow does play, he's not going to look like himself. He hasn't looked like himself through the first two weeks. I think the calf is in worse shape now than it was going into last week against Baltimore. Um, and, and to Burrow's credit, I, I don't think he deserves all the blame for week two. He certainly looked better than he did uh, in that rust-filled week one game. But, you know, I, I think this is a line that could end up you – know, like if, if Burrow's ruled out, where does this line settle? Is it a pick em? I think a pick em. yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I think that's, you know, you're doing a little bit of forecasting here, but I think that's pretty significant value uh, when you look ahead as far as who's going to be on the field for Cincinnati. So let's put that one in our back pocket uh, as far as the circuit contest goes. Speaking of, by the way, it is football season at Circa Resort Casino out in Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game from college to the pros. You can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options. They got cozy day beds. They got private temperature-controlled cabanas, basically anything you could want down at Stadium Swim. Stadium Swim, located at Circa Resort and Casino. It's open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. You can book today at CircaLasVegas.com. That's CircaLasVegas.com. Let's keep the Circa talk going here, John. I'm looking at the Circa Survivor results from week two. Uh, A lot of people were on the Bills. That was over 40% of the remaining entries were on the Buffalo Bills. That was no sweat there. Uh, Second were the New York Giants. Uh, That's where I was uh, last week as well. So I I had to sweat the Commanders in week one, the Giants in week two, but we made it through. Uh, We had a lot of entries go down with the Broncos, a fair amount go down with the Lions as well, but uh, not a a ton of carnage uh, compared to some of the weeks that we saw last year in that contest. Let's do a little survivor talk here real quickly, John. Uh, You got a lot of options this week. I I think on paper, this would seem like one of the easier weeks, but if you're playing in the circuit contest, you got to be considering holding teams for Thanksgiving, holding teams for those Christmas weeks that, that operate independently. However, if you're just playing in a traditional survivor league, you're not worried about, uh, you know, some of those bells and whistles in the circle league, a lot of options on the board. Where do you lean? Um, My lean is with Dallas. Um, I I think that, um, you know, McCarthy and, and company are just going to go in there and, and take care of business. I mean, they're going to just let Micah Parsons loose and it's going to be chaotic for, for the Cardinals. And, you know, what I think it's important what, what you said about Arizona earlier, where they're not going to be sneaking up on Dallas the way that, you know, like last year, um, Houston really gave Dallas everything it could, it could handle late in the season, uh, kind of a sneak up t- type of game. I don't see that happening th- this time around. Dallas is rolling. Um, I, I know that, you know, that uh, if you have that Thanksgiving wrinkle, you probably want to save the Cowboys potentially. But I, w- I want to see one go through. And, and I know that there's a, a lot of big spreads that you could also pick from Kansas City, Jacksonville and Baltimore, all, you know, in worthy considerations and, and burning Dallas this early uh, is concerning for, for later on. But I'm trying to survive this week. I'm trying to use Dallas. I got the Jags as my my current pick right now. That is subject okay. to change prior to Sunday. Obviously, you know we hope that you just took the 49ers. That that was the easy way out last night. Uh, although that's another team that you, you might want to save for later in the season. I, I just look at this as the best spot that the Jags are going to be in all year. You're home for the Houston Texans, right? You're catching C.J. Stroud. He's yet to throw a pick. At some point, that's going to happen. Uh, I, I know we both have our reservations about the Jags covering a big number. I don't really see them losing this game straight up. I could see them struggling. I could see them you know eking out a win in the fourth quarter, but I don't think they're losing this game straight up. I I still want to have San Francisco, Dallas, Casey, Baltimore. I want all those teams in my back pocket for later in the season. I think if you want to go a little bit off script, you know, the bills are in consideration. I know we, we, we we both like the commanders to cover that game, so I wouldn't take the bills, but you know, big enough number. Uh, I think some people will be on Buffalo. You could consider Miami. You could consider Seattle against Andy Dalton. Uh, And then the, the three teams that I have in my sicko tier, if you're just, if you're just looking to go real off script, the Eagles, the Lions, or the Rams to win straight up. The, the Rams is the ultimate sicko pick this week. Yeah. And that, 
I'm into that. I, I, I like where your head's at on that one. Yeah. There's really no need to do that given all the options, but somebody's going to do it. Every, every week, I'm always baffled by some of the picks that pop up on that circuit graphic. <laughs> uh, let's get into our parlays of the week. Uh, we've got a potential teaser to throw out as well. We'll, we'll, we'll do our locks here. Um, I'll throw out a parlay, John. This is via the DraftKings Sportsbook. I like the Rams plus three. We're going to tether that to the Cowboys. Covered a big number. That was the one we're most confident in. Cowboys minus 12 and a half at Arizona. And I'm throwing the Jags in there as well. We're, we're 2-0 and betting the Jags so far in Circa. Uh, that number is 8.5. That gets you to plus 584 at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm also not opposed to teasing those. You, know, you, you, you throw in a six-point teaser on those same numbers. You get the Rams up to 9. You're shrinking the Cowboys line to 6.5. Jags down to 2.5. I think those are all pretty friendly numbers. Wow. Yeah, no, the, the, the teaser element of that one really gets you uh, where you want to be inside the, those magic numbers and get getting that nine point cushion for, for the Rams, too. Is, I mean, that's that's, that's some good galaxy braining you, you, you done dug there. Yeah. What about what about your parlay? Um, so I, I got four for you all. Oh, uh, I know. Right. So that this one, it, it's all spreads. If it comes in, that's plus twelve twenty eight. So about. 12 to 1 uh, on on this sucker. Give me the Commanders plus 6 and a half. Give me the Vikings minus 1. Give me the Bucks plus 5 and the Rams plus 3. So if the if Sunday goes well, we got a really really interesting Monday night potentially. So we got multiple days of entertainment from this parlay. What what's not to like? Hey, I'm not going to push back on any of that. Uh, by the way, Ian Rappaport just tweeted uh, Anthony Richardson did not practice today. Gardner Minshew officially your starting quarterback. For the Indianapolis Colts, that number uh, just moved up to eight and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we get any more updates there. I think that was probably you know the anticipated move for the Indianapolis Colts, so that's probably baked into that initial line. Although, like we said, I, I don't know if it really changes anything. I, I feel kind of the same way about that game. And if it's if it's rainy, if it's windy in Baltimore, I think that that makes me feel even better about the Ravens. Let's lock it up here, John. Uh, what is your favorite against the spread pick for Week Three? It is the Washington Commanders plus six and a half at, at home. I love that Ron Rivera stat that, that you threw out there, Mister Momentum, coming off of a, a good win and, and keeps it going against the spread. Um, I, I think the the conditions here favor Washington as well. I could see Josh Allen, the turnover monster, coming back out this week a little bit as well. Give me the Commanders. Okay, okay, I like that one. You know, I'm I'm waffling a little bit here. I, I really like Tennessee plus three and a half. I, I just think we, we see the Titans in this spot like five times every year, and it feels like they come through every time. Uh, I, I would definitely not be locking up the Steelers, but I think they're actually in a good spot catching two and a half on the road. But I'm going back to the well, John. I am trusting that this Jags offense gets it figured out. I love the matchup, especially the Jags ground game, which does not look good uh, to, to the Texans' credit so far. But I, I think the Texans' rush defense is the biggest concern for me in this game. I think the Jags take advantage. I think they win this one by two scores. So I'm going to lock up Jacksonville Against the big number, they are giving eight and a half to the Texans. I think the Jags cover. Let's go. Teal Curtain. All right, that'll do it for our week three betting preview. You can catch this episode on Thursdays or Fridays every week through the Super Bowl. We're not, we're not just cutting this thing off at the end of the regular season. We'll be taking you all the way into February. You can check out uh, our Circa picks. We, we talk through you know kind of our lanes, our stayaways every week. You can find that on the Rotowire YouTube channel, the Rotowire socials as well. Uh, this has been the week three edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast. We hope that you'll follow us throughout the season. For John McKechnie, I'm Nick Whalen. Best of luck this week.